Welcome to South London Hardcore, I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. This week we visited the Feminist Library, just by St George's Circus, past the Elephant and Castle, number 5 Westminster Bridge Road. You can visit the library without booking an appointment. They're open 6 until 9 on Tuesday, 5 to 9 on Wednesday, 6 to 9 on Thursday, and 12 to 5 on Saturday, where they also have the Feminist Bookshop open as well. Their website is feministlibrary.co.uk and you can find information about probably everything we talk about today on there. Our website is southrunhardcore.com. You can find us on iTunes, of course. 150 plus episodes for free. 2015 is the 40th anniversary of the Feminist Library. They've been in their South London location for 30 years. I remember getting the bus to school. I'd go past it uh, every day. Yeah, quite distinct, printed out sign in the window. Always kind of stuck with me. Never really expected to ever go there, to be honest. Were you aware of it, Steve? Yeah, similarly, I get the bus to work every day, going past it. And it always intrigued me. It's uh, it's an odd sort of space, because it's above street level in this building. It's not too clear what the overall um, space is like inside. So yeah, it's always intrigued me. It's fascinating to uh, finally get inside after all those years. Alice Rowe, one of the volunteers at the library, took us on a tour. So these actually, these um, graves turned up at one point. I went away for about three weeks and the graves weren't here before. And I came back and um, feminism had officially died. So these are for all of the, the women's spaces in London and um, women's organisations that have been dissolved, so spare ribbers one. So the, the graves are quite... Um, well, it's a sad thing to have in here, but it's also... It reminds us of how vulnerable we are. So this is the periodicals room and this is possibly... This is what's special about the Feminist Library. So we are a totally autonomous space, so we're not linked with any universities, we're not linked with institutions. So the idea is somebody can come to the Feminist Library, they don't need to slip, they don't need to write down, oh, I'm academically interested in this, they can just come and be here and learn, which makes us different from other libraries that um, kind of of this content. This is for everybody, and anyone can come and use um, our collection. This room is amazing because it's made up of periodicals. So the most well-known one is this, which is Spare Rib, which was a second-wave feminist magazine that kind of, like, bound the second wave together so you can get a real sense of what they were interested in, what they were talking about, what they were fighting against through reading the letters pages, through looking at the adverts, through seeing um, what the articles were about and just the kind of general imagery of it. And so you can get a real sense of the women's movement from reading the first one... Um, right through to the last one and then you zoom out and look at the rest of the room and you've got it from all sorts of other countries so from America, Canada, Scotland and so you can kind of just through a snapshot through this room get a sense of the second wave women's movement and what was happening and why it was important through this room and so in terms of the completeness of the collection it's just incredible and the fact that it is an autonomous space and it has a collection like this is just amazing so this is a public resource which is just so so comprehensive so that's the periodicals room, so it's a very special place. Yeah, I mean, there are literally thousands of publications here, aren't there? Yes, 
Yeah, and so if you, ha it's nice to kind of have a read of the different ones. So the spare rib is kind of yeah, that takes up this shelf, and then you've got Solidarity UK, Sour Cream UK, South London Press UK. You can even find our feminist library newsletters here, and so you can chart our history or our her story through reading these newsletters. So we once had a paid worker. The first day she came to work, she wrote an article, and it was in our newsletter, and that can be found here. So if you want to just kind of read through history, look through history, this is the place to come and do it, this room. Um, so we're reference only, so we have our photocopier, which people can use. Um, so you can photocopy different things and take them away with you. We have academics who come here and um, read and learn and research. We had Camberwell students this morning, graphic art students, come and they looked at our zines, our health pamphlets, the magazines like Spare Rib, the posters that we have, the badges from Second Wave, and they were just blown away by the actual graphics of it and really, really inspired by it. So it's a really great tool for all sorts of people, whether they're interested in feminism in particular, whether they want to learn more, whether they're an absolute world expert, this is the room to be in. So that's pretty cool. Before we proceed... Mm. What is second wave? What period are we talking about? Okay, so if you want to reduce... I was actually doing class on this, this this afternoon. So if you think of first wave as... Um, this is very reductive, by the mm. way. But if you think of first wave as votes, they wanted the votes for women. Second wave is much more related to the body. So it's in the 70s, um, late 60s, 70s. And it's about um, kind of reclaiming women's bodies. The pill had just come in. People were fighting for abortion rights. Um, it was all about kind of reclaiming women's bodies as autonomous spaces. So there were lots of consciousness raising groups. Stuff was happening. Women were speaking. Women were being active. And this library safeguards that history. And so these women started this library in the 70s. It was one um, shelf in a flat in a basement in Camden. And they said, we need to start saving this or it will get lost to history. And so that's why we're here. And that's why we're three rooms now, because we are safeguarding that history for future generations and for our own empowerment. This is the fiction room. So the periodicals room is really quite unique. This room you will recognise more titles. So when I do school group visits here, it's really nice to get school groups to um, read the blurbs of novels because it's a way to like tap into feminism and tap into women's history and kind of get a sense of what it's all about is through novels. This shelf is really quite special because it's self-published poetry. So, as I mentioned, these women from Second Wave wanted to safeguard women's history. One shelf in a flat in, base in a basement in a flat in um, Camden. They would make these poems, they would write these poems, and then donate them to the Feminist Library, and we would keep them safe, and then people would read them, talk about them. But we don't know who else has these, because they were obviously published by the women themselves. So, again, it's a real snapshot into this era, and a real moment in their lives that we are keeping safe. Um, so my favourite bit of this room is the self-published poetry, which is here. Propped up over here, you can see, is um, a perspex sheet with a different woman from history on it. And we've actually got six of these. There's one behind you there as well. But I took them to a festival in Brighton this weekend, and these two couldn't fit in the car because they were too tall. <laughs> so I took the other four, um, but these are lurking around. And this is now the non-fiction room. As you can see, we've got boxes and boxes and boxes of books that are piled up that haven't yet been catalogued because we get loads of donations of books and we get... Um we have a whole team of cataloguers who unpack them, shelve them, work out where they need to go. With duplicates, we will sell them at, our, at stalls that we go to, um, and then other ones will get put into our actual collection. We've got quite an unusual cataloguing system, which you can see indicated on the door. 
So the feminist librarian, Wendy Davies, started our cataloguing system because she believed that cataloguing systems in general were inherently patriarchal. Because as you negotiated a, a numerical scale, books and authors and readers were ascribed different values. So you had philosophy as the best one, kind of number one, and it was related to God, it's related to man, it's related to kind of men's reading, it's a hefty subject. And then you would get... Um, different topics in the scale were put in different places and it was really kind of, it was hierarchical. So she wanted to create one with letters and colours. So the colours, we've got stickers here and different letters. A few numbers slip in, but it's mainly colours and letters. Because as you negotiate an alphabetical scale, Z is no better or worse than Q, it's just a different letter. And so it's that kind of ethos that permeates into our actual cataloguing system. Um, and then we've got coloured stickers, which kind of sparkle out at you as you walk past and kind of draw your attention to them. And they indicate different women from history, or sorry, no, different women's groups that Wendy Davies felt were excluded from women's history, from collections in general. And so you can see the ones that she decided to include were some examples of Jewish women, disabled women, lesbians. That was 40 years ago. Now maybe we need a new cataloguing system. There's new women that aren't, uh, new groups of women that aren't in our cataloguing system that should be. And so we need to readdress this. And this is something as a collective we talk about and we wonder how we can update our collection and our cataloguing system to be more inclusive. Another interesting thing about the non-fiction room is where stuff gets placed. So, for example, we have quite contentious issues and books move around the space. Um, we had a book that was placed under um, violence against women. It was a book about sex work. We had a volunteer who came in and moved it and put it under women's work. And then another volunteer came back and moved it right back to violence against women. So books move and... and, um, and yeah, they move around the space depending on how we feel about them. So our um, politics and our clashes and our feminisms coming together are actually kind of visually shown in our collection and where we put the books. So the, the cataloguing in the books themselves are really important. Finally, the collection is very second wave, as we've talked about. It's quite... Um, it is really based in the second wave. We're trying to update our collection, but it mainly is um, second wave stuff. However, our events are really cutting edge. And so we like to feel like there's a really nice juxtaposition between our collection and our events. So we've got um, one that I'm sure we're going to talk about happening um, this month about women's history. And we've got really interesting um, scholars and artists and um, cultural researchers who are working now and who have really interesting cutting edge ideas. And so... I like to think that the Feminist Library is a place of history, it's a place to come and learn, it's a place to kind of envelop yourself in the past, but it's also a place to carve the future and to speak with each other and to change the face of what feminism, feminism is through our events. This is Room 101, genuinely named Room 101, and in it we put everything that needs a place to go that isn't um, catalogued or hasn't got a place in the wider library or needs kind of um, organising. So it's a really interesting room to think about what doesn't get in the catalogue, what doesn't get in the collection. Um, so this is our bookshop, which we wheel out on a Saturday, which is run by um, Anna, and she's excellent, and it's a, really, it's a space for contemporary stuff to have its place in the library. So we've got feminist zines, we've got badges, really cool books, and she gets this out and we have coffee and cake and it's very lovely. 
as you can see, the rest of this room is pretty wild because we've got all of the stuff that gets donated that we either haven't yet catalogued, doesn't quite fit in our collection, isn't feminist, but then that makes us think, well, what is feminist? And, and who are we to decide what is feminist and should go in the collection and where should it go and, and what really is it? So it is interesting to take visitors into here. Um, they're not really allowed in here, but when, when they're <laughs> really interested, you might show them so that they can get a sense of what isn't in the collection and why it isn't in the collection. Um, and maybe it will be in the collection when we have a chance to catalogue it. So this is room 101. What is the matriarchy collection over there? Well, it's for reference only. Um, <laughs> see, this is the thing, I don't know. I don't know what that is. This is a bit like the room of requirement in Harry Potter. You don't know what's going to pop up in here and you don't know what you can use it for, but if you need something, you can probably find it in here. <laughs> and there is at least one Harry Potter in this room. Is there? There's one sitting <laughs> oh. in the corner over there. <laughs> I would imagine my friend Gail would know what the matriarchy collection is. Um, and so that's the other thing you can do here is pool off each other's knowledge. So Gail is um, she's a little bit older than me and we come together and we can um, share. She was she was really active in the women's liberation movement and she really shares her experiences with us and we share our experiences with her and it's a really good space to kind of learn and grow and, um, yeah, it's the conversation is just as important as the collection. We sat down with Alice and two other volunteers, Christina and Lottie. My name's Christina. I've been volunteering at the library for over a year now. And why did I get involved? Well, I started my own feminist group in London, which is called Reading Women. Uh, I did it on the website meetup.com. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's just you can set up any sort of group. And it just really took off. We now have about more than 500 members. And it was just organising events, attending all the feminist events in London. And I used to use the meeting room in the library quite a lot. So I got to know the volunteers and just decided I wanted to be I wanted to become more active in in the library itself. So I sort of um, let someone else organise reading women, and I'm now heavily involved in the library, specifically with events. So I'm Lottie. Um, I became involved because I'd come here to an event that um, the library organised that was about sex work and um, they had this, somebody from the sex workers open university who was talking and I was really blown away by the experience it really changed my feminism in terms of sex workers and I felt that this was really a space where the feminist movement could potentially have discussions about all these issues that are very problematic for us. Um, and so I became involved. And I'm very involved. I don't work. It's very difficult to get work. Um, I'm very highly qualified. <laughs> and I've been out of work looking after my kids with my partner um, and obviously as a woman who's been out of work for looking with looking after their kids, it is very difficult at the moment to get back into work. So that really pissed me off. <laughs> so the best thing to do is to come and volunteer in a feminist organisation. My name's Alice and I started volunteering for the library in my final year of university because I was reading a lot of feminist art history and that's how I learnt to kind of think like a feminist. But I totally learnt how to be like a feminist and, and be and act and do like a feminist through being here. 
um, at Feminist Library. And so I was really, really inspired through my reading and wanted a space to kind of put this into action and came to an event at the Feminist Library and just haven't looked back since, really. And the beautiful thing about it is it won the Feminist Library... Um, kind of nurtures people. So if you have a dream and you have something that you really want to do, you can come here and it will kind of hold you. So what I've wanted to do for a long time was start my own project that uses um, women's kind of feminist art to engage young people with women's history, not in the curriculum. And so I volunteered for, hit, here for about a year doing volunteers coordination and then I was able to do my outreach work and that's now what I do here. So I have school groups come here, I go to schools, I went to Brighton last week doing this outreach work on behalf of the Feminist Library and on behalf of my project. So it really allows you to kind of grow and push against what you thought you could do and it supports me in a really sisterly, kind way. So that's why I'm here and, and, and why the Feminist Library is important to me. In terms of the census history, it began in North London, in Camden, yeah. I believe. Yeah, 40 years ago. <laughs> um, and was, uh, now sometimes I'm not very clear, but it was a shelf in a cafe? A basement, I believe. Okay. Um, and, then, and it was the Women's Resources Centre. And it was set up by a group of academics who felt that there should be a space where their work could be um, together um, rather than dispersed in a huge academic library um, yeah, where you have the, the feminist sections t- oh, they're not very significant yeah it's tucked away <laughs> rather than brought to the, yeah, the yeah, forefront yeah, yeah. Yeah. but it's also the feminist library throughout its history as well as having the books and periodicals and pamphlets, has always been a space where women meet and speak and talk and activism is at its heart. And I think that has been the case the whole way mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And so the events that we're organising this year, the um, conversations that have happened over the last 40 years, the um, kind of activism that has sprung up is all about a group of people coming together surrounded by this collection. And so I think that's really important in terms of its history and its ongoing future history as well. And if you speak to the volunteers, you'll find out that many of them come to the library because it's a space to meet other feminists. And that's why I got involved. It wasn't so much the collection. I mean, I've grown to um, love the collection and the periodicals collection particularly. Mm, But it was because I thought, here I'm meeting people that are on my same wavelength. And I, and I said to Lottie once, it's like when you come through the door, you just, it's, you know, a sigh of relief. You feel you can be yourself. It's not like you're out battling the patriarchy. It's like, phew, <laughs> you know, you can just um, relax and talk to people and they'll understand where you're coming from. So that, I think the, the community space is a, a, an essential aspect of it, without a doubt. So, as you said, it's the 40th anniversary yeah. of the uh, Feminist Library. Yeah. You've got a series of salons uh, yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about... Because yeah. um, we, 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 we spent quite a lot of time thinking about whether or not it was OK to call it a salon. Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so we spent quite a lot of time thinking about whether or not it was OK to call it a salon. And we kind of... Uh, so we, we looked up what salons... We researched. Because the last thing we wanted was someone 
going on Twitter. Do you know that salon is a very misogynist word because the history blah blah blah? And you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's do a research. And that's why we asked an academic, didn't we? Well, we, we bumped into an yeah, academic yeah. just at the point at which we were having our discussions about whether we should call it salon. So salons were very much put down in history. So sa- salons were essentially. Uh, 19th century women would get together um, and uh, somebody who had significance in their field would be able to promote people, women, who uh, were lesser known. And the salons were very, very much put down in history as being a group of silly women who got together and gossiped. And that very much wasn't the case. So we were very happy to kind of like reappropriate the word salon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fortunately bumped into somebody who explained to us that uh, we could use the word salon. Mm-hmm. And we are running 12 salons that are based on our uh, cataloging system, which Alice may have spoken about on the tour. Uh, so we've had one that was on uh, libraries. We've, so we started off with a general one about libraries and whether or not there was uh, a place in society for a feminist library, a library specific to us. Um, that was massively successful. And then the second one was about feminist fairy tales, which was part of our cataloguing system, which was the cultural history... Society beliefs yeah. and customs. Yeah, society... Mm-hmm. Totally wrong society mm-hmm. clues and customs. <laughs> and Alice's is obviously Alice's um, event in March is based around the category C history. <laughs> so because they're the A B C D, we've, yeah. we've got about thirteen, fourteen categories. Yeah. And um, so I mean, we're basing the salons loosely on on the categories. The whole idea is um, it's called the th- the the. The theme of the salons that runs through all the salons is activating the archive because if you go in and you pick out a copy of Spare Rib or you pick up some of the books, you find that it's still incredibly relevant. That even though this is second wave mm. literature, we're still facing the same challenges and nothing much has is, <laughs> is changed. So, someone picked up a copy of Spare Rib and the first thing they read out was a uh, um, women facing the brunt of the Tory cuts, cuts you yeah. know, and you're like, oh god, deja vu. So, um, so activating the archive is the theme that runs throughout the salons, and each each salon is based loosely based on a category. So the one we've got, we've got very exciting ones coming up. Um, we've got one on identity and tattooing. We have one, Melissa Ben is going to curate a salon about feminist parenting. Um, we have um, two women who go under the title of Bread Print Roses, and that's to, the, the subject is to be confirmed. We have one on mental health. Yeah. We have one on... Um, performance art. Performance art, yeah. And we're having... Uh, they've been really successful, the salons... Um, on social media particularly um, apart from the fact people come here but we are limited in our space and we're having quite a lot of people contacting us as well mm-hmm. um, who would like to run events here as a consequence of the fact that they're becoming quite known about so we have somebody who would like to come and run one on feminist sex mm-hmm. um, we have um, in April mm-hmm. 
um, one on... Uh, oh, yeah, the male gaze, Laura Mulvey. Is, Laura Mulvey's text is 40 years old too, so we're having a film screening and speakers coming to talk about that. Yeah, That's and one the, on... on the, two, the two women that have literally yeah. passed and walked in are organising um, an event around feminist playwriting. Yes. And so they're going to put a call out for... Um, women who write plays, and then they're going to have an evening where all of those plays are put on here at the Feminist Library, and that's going to be on the 30th of April. I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, which we're so excited about and really looking forward to. Yeah. yeah. We're trying to make um, every salon as varied as possible, and within the salons also, some it's not just discussions or, you know, people giving a presentation. Or people but, drinking wine. Or people drinking wine, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the first salon we had, for example, we had a comic drawing workshop for two hours, which was hugely successful. And um, so we try to make the salons as varied as possible, as interactive. So it's not just people coming and, you know, spouting knowledge and people passively sitting in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as varied as possible. So I created a project called Her Story, which, um, as I already said, uses feminist art to engage young people with women's history that's not in the curriculum. So I felt hugely inspired by um, women's history quite late. So I was listening to a radio programme on Women's Hour, and it was about an exhibition at the Women's Library. And there was the song, and it goes, it's from Mary Poppins, and it goes, Our daughter's daughter's for the doors, oh, and yeah, they sing the chorus. That. Well done, Sister Suffragette. <laughs> and I realised I'd never said well done to anyone. I'd never thought well done to anyone. And I think it was a mixture of um, my nostalgia for Mary Poppins and being a child and watching that. And then this just massive thing I wash over me of, I've never said well done, I've never felt well done. And I have... Um, being totally born out of this women's history that's made me taller, stronger, be able to do the things that I do. And I don't want people to get to my age that I was and have never felt that empowerment by women's history. Um, so I now run this project where I go into schools and we recreate Judy Chicago's dinner party. And we each speak in the first person as a different woman from history. So I was in a school in Brighton this week and they were um, presenting as those women from history, they were 11 years old, and every time one of them stands up and says, I am Mary Wollstonecraft, I am Sylvia Rivera, every time I feel emotional mm. and, and get, get really proud of, of those young people and the work that we've been able to do. Um, and so the first time I did it in Watford, and I didn't know how this I am um, format was going to work, and one of the girls was just like, I am Mary Wollstonecraft, I was born in London, keeping it local, and the whole group just like <laughs> burst into giggles. And then Amy Johnson, who was um, a pilot, who incidentally at that dinner party had a lot to say, and she told us about how she was in an aeroplane with this, um, she was a pilot and her co-pilot she'd never met before, and they were in a nine-hour air kind of flight, and he asked her after three, three hours, will you marry me? And, and Emily Wildling Davison then piped up to be like, oh my goodness, imagine if she'd said no, it'd be so awkward. <laughs> and so we had this dialogue of these girls being these women from history, girls and boys, it's important that it's boys as well. Um, so I feel so, so lucky that the Feminist Library has given me this platform that I'm able to do this work, because it properly sustains me, and it's so exciting. Um, and so the project is hosting this salon, We've had a really big month this month. I've spoke at Women in the World Festival London and Cambridge. The Brighton's History Festival um, last week. Yeah. Um, and it's just been go, go, go. So I'm looking forward to April, but March has been beautiful. And just rounded off March as well, um, our friend Lisa has just started a 
intersectional feminist reading yeah. group mm. here at the library. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the next session, I think, is going to be on the 31st of March. Yeah. Mm. Talking yeah. about um, cyber sexuality. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And sounds really interesting. Yeah, mm. it is. Yeah. So just look into the future. Now, obviously, across the rest of the year, you've got events mm-hmm. celebrating yeah. your anniversary. But in terms of the future of the feminist library, you're looking to possibly relocate with yeah. pressures of... Yeah, so our 40th anniversary coincided with um, our landlords, who are Southwark, um, telling us that we would need to start paying market rates um, for our rent and that uh, we don't have the money for, really, at the moment. We're totally unfunded um, and we're totally volunteer-led. Regardless of that, we would need a new space. The space is too small um, so we are looking at possibilities at the moment, and that's going to be really quite a major thing for our 40th year, is going to be finding a new home for the collection. And, I mean, this is London. It's inconceivable for us that London shouldn't have a feminist library. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We've done, we did a, a call-out for libraries uh, to find out what we're trying to do is to do to have a little sort of video montage of all the different libraries that exist um, across the world, actually. Um, so we did a call-out on social media and we got some really... To be able to sort of say it really is not such a crazy idea that London really should have a mm. feminist library that is a little bit more than three little rooms. Yeah. Um, uh, if you looked at Glasgow Women's Library, so Glasgow have got the ultimate and just amazing um, women's library, which we are all going to move to mm-hmm. Glasgow <laughs> and volunteer there. Um, that's what we should be having. But it's vital that it's an autonomous space. You, it can't be subsumed yeah. within a university mm-hmm. because the point of it is that anybody can come and yeah. say, I want to learn, I want to read. We yeah. do not want somebody having to prove their interest to be able to be allowed yeah. to use this collection. And so it's vital that we get help. Yeah. We need to raise money. We need people who can think strategically. We need help yeah. to move forward with yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've created a, a page on our website that explains what we're looking for. There's a Just Giving link, is there? There's a Just Giving link, and I think, um, but there's definitely information that sort of says, you know, I mean, obviously, like, we look for donations, but we also look for, oh, you know, somebody who's got a spare building. Yeah. I think that would be really good if anybody had a spare building. That's what we're looking for. It has happened. <laughs> and there the are past. loads in yeah. London. There are loads of spare buildings donation. in London. You only yeah. one of those a month. Yeah. <laughs> you can find the Feminist Library on Twitter at Feminist Library. We're at SLHC, of course. Same on Instagram, southlandhardcore.com. Southland Hardcore is part of the Holdfast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com or search for Holdfast Network in iTunes for more podcasts. Thank you.